Good afternoon, everyone. So glad to see you again here on uh, ALM's prayer, Thursday prayer gathering. So glad to see, see all those that are here with me today. Thank you so much for being with us. We have a lot to cover today, so I want to get straight into it. I got a teaching on the results of Pentecost. This has been Pentecost week here at our church. It started with Sunday, and we heard again the message on Pentecost last night. I'm sure Pastor Thad is going to be continuing it. But it's a great message. It's a great celebration. It's really a celebration for the church that the Holy Spirit came on, on this feast day of, of Pentecost. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about the results of Pentecost. You need to get you out a, a paper and a pen for take notes. There's a lot of things I'm covering. So let's first start with Acts 1.8. Got to start with Acts 1.8 in Scripture. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then Acts 2, 1 through 4. We're going to read that. I know our pastor read it last night, but you, this, I think, is a scripture that people ignore. A lot of denominations ignore and try to cover it up and go past it. But I think it needs to be read out in the airways, okay? Acts 2, first verse, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues or cloven tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. Those tongues of fire sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, not their natural tongue, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then for a reference to what I'm going to be saying today, let's turn to John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the be in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And as I was studying this message today, or the other day, I came across this in my studies, okay? The word, word, W-O-R-D, means logos, logos, L-O-G-O-S in the Greek language. Logos is how I say it. You may say it in a different way. So we, so we see that Jesus is the living, through John 1, he is the living logos or living word. And then let's turn to Hebrews 4, 12. This is kind of like a little side thought, but it'll all work in together. Hebrews 4, 12 says... Famous scripture, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now we find here the Bible is the written logos, a word. The Bible is the written logos, a word. And then 1 Corinthians 2.13, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 
The Apostle Paul is writing here. He says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Spirit utters the spoken logos. The Holy Spirit utters the spoken logos. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you have surrendered your tongue to the spoken word of God, which becomes rhema, R-H-E-M-A, the Greek word for spoken word. Preaching of the gospel is speaking rhema, the spoken word of God, which ultimately initiates faith, because faith cannot come unless we hear the spoken word of God. That's why it's important when you're reading the word to read it out loud, because faith comes by hearing, as the word says. Also, when you're reading the Logos, the Spirit will enlighten Rhema to you, and faith becomes alive in your spirit. This is the operation of the Holy Spirit. Now let's turn to Acts 2, 38 through 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Peter is preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the way of salvation. He went back into the Old Testament to explain what was happening, and he went into to tell them about Jesus and what he did for them and how he delivered them from sin and how that um, this salvation is real. And he was telling them it's not just for this generation that I'm in, Peter was saying, but it's for all generations. Be salvation and being filled with the Spirit is for all generations and generations to come past our generation. Let's turn now to Acts 19.20. Acts 19.20, it says here, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So what are the results of Pentecost? Now we know that Pentecost is a feast day of first fruits of the Jewish people, where they, where they had come to celebrate in Jerusalem. Now the disciples and apostles of Jesus were in this upper room directed by the Lord for them to go to tarry and wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus talked to them about, who was the Holy Spirit. They had no idea when, when this promise of the Father was coming. They just know they were supposed to be there or how he would come. They had no idea. They had no clue of it all. They were just obedient to Jesus. And that's what it takes for us to be filled with the Spirit today to have, for even salvation. Both are gifts. You've got to be obedient to the call of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them in Acts 1.8 that they would receive power to be witnesses both locally and to the end of the earth. Can you imagine the excitement and anticipation of those disciples? Can you imagine? It was, I imagine it was a, a different feeling or exciting feeling, maybe even a scary feeling because they had no idea how God was going to manifest himself. And, but I'm sure there was a lot of excitement there. And in that anticipation, I'm sure there was a lot of 
things going on, all those people together in that upper room. They may have had some difficulties as well, waiting on God. Sometimes we have difficulties waiting on God. And at that time, the enemy will play games with you as you're waiting on God. I know he plays games with me. He will do everything to upset me. Have you found that out? When you're waiting on God for something or you're seeking God for a special anointing or whatever, the enemy just will tear you up with problems. But we have to overcome it. We have to overcome all the fears of the unknown. Because every time when God takes you to a different level, there's, there is an unknown. And there's a possible fear there. Because we, we have a, the natural thing of the flesh to fear the unknown. But we have to lay aside those fears and seek God anyhow. And allow Him to minister to us. We see in Acts 2, 1 through 4, that the Holy Spirit came suddenly, as we've been talking about in our church, and filled the room. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with new tongues. New life came upon them. And that day the church of Jesus Christ was born. Not only were they changed into new creations, they also were filled with this promised power. And tongues is a sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Tongues is a sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, Peter rose up to explain what was happening to those who were standing outside listening. And he began to preach Jesus, him crucified, resurrected, and that he was prophesied to come. The hearers that day listened and were pricked in their hearts and believed the words of Apostle Peter by the, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is there, when we are preaching or when we are teaching or when we are witnessing, it's his job to prick the heart. It's his job to anoint the words that we're speaking to those we are witnessing to. And by him comes godly results. Pentecostal results. Hallelujah. So again, what are the results of Pentecost? For this first part, I have, I have a list here. Number one, power. They received power that brought a change to all the, that believes, thus salvation. Number two, anointing to preach the rhema word. Thus the Old Testament logos word was open to their understanding. You see that when Peter preaches. Number three, Jesus the living word became alive within them like never before. Instead of a person that once walked with them and talked with them, he was now living within them. Can you imagine that feeling? The person you walk with and you talk with for three and a half years approximately that time, and now you feel him on the inside. Isn't that a wonderful? Number four, they can now do the same works of Jesus by healing the sick, raising the dead, Casting out devils because that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwelled in them. He dwelled in them, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. That's Romans 8.11. Now all that I just taught was a preface to my, of my main thought on the results of Pentecost. And I was hoping Pastor Thad wouldn't get in my scriptures and he didn't. Let's go to Acts 4, 29 through 35. Now I was going through the book of Acts reading. This just jumped out at me several weeks ago before I even went on vacation. 
Acts 4, 29 through 35. Let's read. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled to, together were shaken. Oh, they had a shaking on the day of Pentecost. Now they had a different, another shaking. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And you, you could read the rest if you like later. <clears throat> Here the disciples are praying for a greater anointing to be bold in their witnessing. Peter had been thrown in prison for preaching and was delivered mightily by the angel of the Lord that had come to him. After this, they are praying and asking the Lord for boldness to be greater, to be a greater witness than before. Because they were now seeing that the enemy was now going to come against them. And he was putting their leaders in prison. And even later on, the apostle James was killed. So they were asking God for this boldness, that they will be anointed to keep going in this power. So what happened? When you ask, you shall receive, right? The Holy Spirit came into the room where they were assembled and the place was shaken with the Spirit's power and they were filled anew with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord answered their request and they spoke the word of God with boldness, just like 1 Corinthians 2.13 said, they spoke not with man's wisdom, but with the Holy Spirit's teaching. What happened here were more of the results of Pentecost. Not only did they speak the word with boldness, a unity, a unity of the Spirit came upon them. That's Acts 4.32. The Holy Spirit brought great power to the witnessing of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Not only there was unity, but there was great power, Acts 4.33. The dunamis of power in Jesus resulted in, dramatic, in a dramatic transformation. This is the norm for the Spirit-filled and Spirit-led church. And then what happened next? Then great grace was upon them all, Acts 4.33. They all had God's favor or His willingness to get involved in all the good works of salvation, healing, restoration, and transformation that they, that they through the power of the Holy Spirit, performed and administered. This great grace was an attitude. When you look up that word grace there, it's more than this favor, the unmerited favor of God. This grace was an attitude of gratitude that came upon the believers for what the Lord God was doing for them. It, it comes from the word graciousness. 
when you look it up in the Strong's, to be cheerful, such as calmly, happy, or well-off, full of God's favor. They had a different attitude about persecution. They had a different attitude of, of, about fear. They became cheerful. After this fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost coming upon them, they became cheerful, full of graciousness of what God had done for them in their lives. This Holy Spirit transformation that came from the results of the Pentecostal experience brought forth a supernatural generosity. When a person is truly filled with the Holy Spirit, their, their attitudes of giving changes. Selfishness is removed and the desire to give of yourself, your energy, and your possessions to the kingdom of God should be prevalent in your life. This giving attitude brought forth much fruit of souls being saved. And that is the main reason for us to give, right? So that souls may be saved. <clears throat> you may ask, why do I need this Pentecostal experience of speaking in tongues? Well, it does this. It assists, supports, and gives us an advantage in our communication with God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 tells us this, For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. No one might not be understanding you, but in the Spirit you are speaking mysteries that only you and God can communicate to each other. We can now speak from our spirits and not from our minds. I want you to understand that. When you're filled with the Spirit, you now speak with your spirit. You should be speaking when you're praying or talking or witnessing or whatever with your spirit, not from your mind. Thus we become edified. That's how you, my brother, you talked about how you had this special suddenly. You were edified, weren't you? You become joyful. You become full of cheer. You are enlightened. Praying in tongues edifies our beings because our spirit is talking to its creator. Hallelujah. As I said earlier, being filled with the spirit gives us a great advantage in our Bible reading and in our understanding what we hear preached or what we hear taught to us, just like the apostles could now understand what the Old Testament scripture said. And after the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus now came clear to them. This is why it is important for each believer to experience his or her own Pentecost. This experience doesn't mean you are not saved. It is a gift of God to enhance your salvation through communication and witnessing. Being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-time experience. A lot of people just have a one-time experience and never go deeper in the Holy Spirit. It is a lifestyle of prayer and evangelism. The key to being filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, is yielding oneself completely by giving oneself to the Holy Spirit. It is turning your will over to God's. It is done by faith, knowing that just like the Lord saved you with His gift of salvation, he will give you the gift of His Holy Spirit to the fullness to those that ask Him. 
I found this little reference I wrote in my Bible. I don't know if Bishop preached on it or the Lord showed me through my Bible reading. I really don't remember. But the Lord gave me this thought. And it's found in Genesis 2-7. It tells us that God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. And I have written, or a speaking spirit. He became a living being or a speaking spirit. God wanted a family. He wanted somebody to talk to. And he created man. And he made, because God could speak, he made man that he could speak. He became a speaking spirit. No other, God's, in, no other, no other of God's creation is, is speaking spirits. They may make sounds or grunts or whatever, but they do not speak as we speak. So Pentecost brought mankind back to his original creation where his or her spirit can now speak to God. Hallelujah. By passing the mind, which is a part of our flesh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want you to let that sink in. Let that sink in. The Holy Spirit passes your mind. It comes out of your spirit. When you speak in tongues, when you pray in the Holy Ghost or however, pray in your prayer language, however you want to express it, comes, it should come out of your spirit, not out of your mind. It's not a learned thing. It is a spirit language. Going back to our title, let's recap the results of Pentecost. Number one, Pentecost gave us power that brought a change to all that believed, thus salvation. Number two, Pentecost brought the anointing to preach the Rima word, which the Old Testament Logos word was open to their understanding at that time. Number three, Jesus the living word became alive within them like never before. Instead of a person they once walked with and talked with, he was now living within them. Number four, they can now do the same works of Jesus by healing the sick and afflicted performing signs and wonders. Number five, they had a great boldness come upon them. Number six, unity now dwelt among them as one heart, the scripture says. Number seven, a great power came upon them to witness in a new way. Number eight, great grace was upon them all. Number nine, a generous spirit of giving came upon those who prayed and were refilled with the Holy Ghost. Number 10, the word grew mightily and prevailed with results of the living Holy Ghost church today. Hallelujah. I encourage you today to seek God and go after every gift he has for you. He has no respect of persons. Peter said, this gift is for all the Lord should call. You will not regret it. You will declare as King David, once you experience the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, you will declare as King David says, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because he is your comforter in this world of chaos. He will teach you and guide you. He's made me what I am today and will continually bring me into the fullness of the will of the Father. He is the one who brings forth the purpose, plan, and expectation of God 
in each one of us. He is the very essence of God's anointing and glory. As I was praying about this this morning, that's what the Lord gave me. The Holy Spirit is the very essence of God's anointing and glory. You can open up to the Holy Spirit at church or at home or driving down the road. Many people come forward in the church to receive the Holy Spirit and they don't receive it right then and they get disappointed. But I don't want you to get disappointed. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in as Pastor Thad was preaching last night. Keep pressing in to the Spirit of God. Keep pressing in. Keep hungering and thirsting. You may be driving down the road and all of a sudden you just begin to worship and all of a sudden you begin to speak in another language. Or you may be at home in your prayer time. Or you may be talking to someone sometimes and all of a sudden you may be witness and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes upon you and begin to speak with tongues. It, it, it's whenever you yield. It's all about giving yourself to Jesus and allowing His Spirit to take control of your life. No longer your will, but God's will. Hallelujah. Experiencing Pentecost is fun. Try it. You'll like it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I can't give you a better gift. If I could give it to you, I'd give it to you because I want everybody to be filled with the Spirit. But I can't do it in myself. But Jesus can. He is the Holy Ghost baptizer. He will fill you with the Holy Ghost to those that ask Him. The Word says it. Believe the Word. Open yourself to it. And He will come in and control you. That's what being filled means, to be, to be controlled by the Spirit. And when you are controlled by the Spirit, that's, that's a... That's a life of fullness and cheerfulness. Great grace, as they said. I like that word. Great grace. Hallelujah. Not just grace, but great grace. That makes me cheerful. Graciousness flows through me because of the Holy Ghost and filling. Hallelujah. And I praise you for it, God. Hallelujah for this great grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have read that many times, but great grace has never hit me in the face like it did when I read it a few weeks ago. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you may be out there saying, Pastor Diane, I would like that in feeling of the Holy Ghost. But maybe you're not even saved. First, you've got to be saved. First, you've got to be regenerated by this Holy Spirit. First, you have to ask Jesus into your heart and surrender to him as Lord and Savior. You, you need to believe that he died on the cross and that God raised him from the dead by the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, you believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9 says, you shall be saved. You shall be delivered from your sins. Hallelujah. And from the, the guilt of sin. And from the results of sin, if you allow the sanctifying power of the word, the blood, and the spirit to overtake you, you can be sanctified, set apart unto God. That's part of salvation. But then there's a next step, which we teach here at our church, is being infilled or filled with the Holy Spirit. Being, allowing Him to come in and take control of your being, of your mind, your spirit, your mind, and your body. Take control of your tongue even. You know, the tongue is the hardest part to give up. I believe that. People can worship God, they're seeking the Holy Spirit, but they let that tongue go. They cannot let that tongue be separate from the mind. 
It's got to separate from the mind. <laughs> the tongue has to connect to the spirit. That's the only way I can explain it. I don't know how you do it. It just happens when we surrender. And that's the next step. Surrender to the Holy Ghost. Surrender to him and he will fill you today. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. He will bring forth that power, that unity, that boldness, that grace, and that generosity in you. Hallelujah. So that souls may be saved. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So I trust you call upon Jesus right now and be saved. If you already saved, Jesus said, ask the Father anything in my name and he'll do it. Hallelujah. Say, Father God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to speak in tongues that I may communicate with you and believe it in your heart. Surrender to God. Begin to worship him out there now and he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. It's just like faith for salvation. It's the same faith for being filled with the Spirit. Surrendering completely. Hallelujah to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I had fun with this message. It took me a while to write it all out. And I appreciate you all listening. But it all has to go together to, for clarity. We need clarity. We can hear preaching on this and that and there, but sometimes we need teaching to bring forth clarity in what we receive from God. And I think that's my job here, to bring forth some clarity of what the Lord has done for us. Hallelujah.